This is Longview Living, the podcast that guides physicians and dentists on a path towards financial security. Welcome to the Longview Living Podcast. My name is Bonnie Catherine Prather, and I am here to tell you about today's episode. Today, we are going to be discussing habits and ways to set yourself up for success. We are joined by Longview Planning Partners financial advisor, Bo Hill, and Dr. Craig Moffitt. Craig is a family physician at North Mississippi Medical Center. He works in clinics, hospitals, nursing homes, and in the emergency room, while also serving as the medical director of two long-term care facilities. As you can imagine, balancing all of this requires some discipline and dedication. Craig and Bo have a great conversation about habits and what you can do to really set yourself up to succeed while in residency and in practice. So here's today's episode. Thank you both so much for being here. Yeah, th- thanks for having us, Bonnie. Um, you know, we're really excited today. We have uh, Craig Moffitt with us and, and Craig's a family medicine physician at North Mississippi Medical Center. And, uh, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the topic of today's conversation, right, you know, in light of the new year, Right. We want to talk about, you know, things that, you know, one can do to kind of better prepare themselves for, for the future. Right. Uh, you know, that seems to be a hot topic in today's, you know, climate, especially the time of the year that it is. Um, and, and so, Craig, you know, uh, how long has it been since we've known each other? Uh, I'm not even sure. Uh, I'm going to go with um, five years. Yeah, that's that's probably about right. It was what, like either your first or second year of residency that, uh, that we were introduced First year, I believe, yes, sir. First year, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, well, thanks again for joining us. Um, and and so you know, in light of the, you know what I said earlier about the new year, so so what habits, right, e- either personal or professional, right, that you built, you know, during residency, do you feel like uh, you know that you're thankful for now that have kind of helped your career out? I would think just um, it sounds extra simple, but I think just just getting it in, just getting it done. Uh, you know, I think sometimes that. We see all these people, you know, best morning routine or, or best this or best that. But at the end of the day, I think it's just knowing what you have to do and just getting that done throughout the day, however you, you organize that. So, you know, residency obviously um, is a 80-hour uh, work-week type situation. Um, uh, as we make it into here later, I was always doing a few extra things uh, as well uh, with my time in addition to also having some children and, and whatnot. So, I mean, I think whatever it is that you have deemed important to you, just have to make sure you get that in every day. If, um, uh, you know, health and exercise is important to me every single day, I'm going to do that, you know, regardless of how I feel or what it is. Um, I think, you know, getting in uh, habits early on of being, um, uh, having some financial foresight um, is, is sure. really important. You know, kind of knowing uh, what your plan is there, you know, uh, starting early on um, and then personal, just kind of knowing what your priorities are. Uh, for you and your family. So, you know, getting uh, one night in for a week, maybe this is a date night, getting, you know, 30 minutes a day in, playing with your kids. And sometimes you just have to schedule that stuff and just make it happen. So I think that that when I took residency was just getting stuff done. So Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's the culmination of little things, right? 
you know, I mean, if, if we're trying to lower our bread pressure or something like that, right, I can't change that overnight, right? You know, it's the cumulative effect, right, of me eating, you know, the right things every day, right? And, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, you, you, you probably built that discipline, you know, you know, during residency, right, you know, of, you know, going every day and, you know, now, right, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm sure your days aren't easy by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, I'm sure they're nothing compared to that 80-hour work week that you had, right? Um, so, uh, so, so, you know, you, you mentioned, right, you know, you know, re- residency and transitioning, right? So, you know, so what are some things that, you know, you, you felt, right, that you did, right, you know, whatever that be, you know, financial, you know, personally, right, whatever it might be that you actually did in residency and steps that you took that kind of have helped you now that you're actually in your practicing career? Yeah, great. We'll separate that out maybe into two or three little things. We'll do a uh, financial, professional, and personal. Um, and I think that the financial kind of goes through both of those because you're not going to be happy with your with your kids if you're broke, but you're also not going to be able to see person, you know, personally if you're professionally uh, <laughs> if you're broke either. So I think it kind of whether you enjoy it, you like it or not, it kind of transcends both of those. So, uh, so in that regard, um, you know, we as physicians give up the most important. Um, decade of our life for financial freedom and, and financial wealth, uh, that 20-year period. You know, you have an engineer who graduates uh, university at age 22, making 80000 a year, putting back 15% of their income. They got 10, 12 years of compound interest on you. Uh, we have the opposite sure. compound interest. We have debt. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, so realizing that and doing what you can to either negate that or to um, start working on that, you know, um, I think getting a plan early on, uh, whether that's through um, um, discussing with your accountant, tax attorney, discussing with your financial advisor who serves as fiduciary, whoever that is, getting the plan early on um, and looking at your options. I started uh, investing in my um, uh, 403C um, and I was working for a not-for-profit the very first month. Uh, I could have been putting that towards my student debt, but uh, I was um, I was in a, a loan program for that. I knew that I was going to eventually have that forgiven because I had that 10-year plan. You always going to work for a not-for-profit. So sure. you know, maybe it's me to do that. Um, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's one thing we talk about, you know, all the time is that, you know, when you're in residency, one of the biggest things that you need to figure out, right, is your plan for your debt, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably the largest obligation, you know, the majority of physicians have at that point in their life. So you got to come up with a plan. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge. And it can become crippling and make you as a physician um, not do what you want to, but kind of do what you have to, you know, ultimately. And, and um, I think on that note, um, like I said, I think if you can create some, some extra income in residency, uh, do that. Uh, a lot of, if you have any residents listening or anything, there are all moonlight opportunities. Some programs allow you to, some don't. Uh, you get your medical license once you take your step three and then pass it and everything. You can get your permanent medical license. Uh, I started moonlighting, you know, month one of my second year, uh, creating some additional income to, to invest and pay down some, some debt and whatnot. Uh, that may or may not be for everyone depending on your personal obligations and, and work obligations, but just, you know, have a plan for your debt uh, and then having a plan for the now. Like I said, I was instantly putting into my, my 403B. Um, I was instantly trying to get some savings or pay off any high interest debt I may have had. Um, you know, just get these stepwise programs that you always hear about. Get those in. Sure. Today, so. Sure. You know, and then, you know, I mean, you know, obviously, too, I mean, you know, uh, um, you, you, you created a plan to protect yourself. Right. You know, if something happened to you. Right. You know, we want to make sure you're protecting those incomes. So, so talk to us about that for a little bit. 
Yeah, no, and I think that a lot of people want to overlook um, disability and life insurance, or either they think that their employer has it, um, they think that that $250,000 life insurance the employee has on them uh, is somehow good if you're going to be a physician. That may be great if you're, you know, if you're expecting income, it's going to be 30000 a year, which is nothing wrong with that, but uh, and your disability income, uh, a lot of times the policies that you have from your employer are only going to pay 75% and you're taxed on that because essentially the um, they take out the deduction pre-tax, so therefore you're going to be taxed on that if you become disabled. So you may be getting 45% of your you know, previous income or something of that nature. Right, and, and 45% of your, you know, your, your physician or excuse me, your residency salaries, you know, gosh, I don't know, what is that, like, you know, twenty six, twenty eight thousand dollars $28,000 a year maybe, right? And, uh, and I actually, yeah, and I know of people who have become disabled in residency or early on, you know, in their career. And this is just incredible, especially if you have a family. This really insurance um, uh, is, is, well, first of all, it's probably more important life insurance because even if you don't have a family, you still have yourself. Uh, sure. you know, so um, and you don't want to be a burden on others and you want to be able to, to take care of yourself. So I, I thought this really insurance is probably the most important. Um, but that and life insurance even become more important if you have a family. And then ultimately, uh, my wife was a teacher, but our ultimate plan was for her to stay home with the children. So I also took that into account. So instead of, you know, replacing part of my income, I wanted to try and replace as, as much of it as humanly possible to enable sure. my family's life <laughs> and my life to change as little as possible. So Sure. No, and that's a great point because, you know, I mean, for, for most physicians, right, your ability to earn income, right, is your greatest asset. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, and I mean, mo- most physicians don't come into this, you know, like with, you know, all this money. Right. And the, the fact that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, right, you are giving up, you know, a- almost a whole decade worth of training. Right. To get a higher salary. Right. And, and it's essentially that much more important that you protect it. Uh, so so what, what are some things, though, that, uh, you know, you, you, you know, you, you do intentionally right with your family. Right. While you're in residency to make sure that those relationships stayed strong. Yeah, and, and that is, is difficult because obviously if you are in residence and if you're moonlighting working extra, uh, it does become difficult to have to weigh that out, I think. You know, because I worked, um, you know, probably almost every weekend by the time I was doing my, my moonlighting in addition to my other and, and late night. So it's being present when you are present, um, which is, is easier said than done because you may be tired, you may be thinking about a patient that just coded or about adverse outcome you had or a surgeon who yelled at you for an hour for no reason, <laughs> you know, so, um, sure. but when, when you are present with your family, try to be present. Um, try, you know, I think that, that family dinners, I think are an incredibly important thing. If that's something that you're able to do, take that 30 minutes to 45 minutes and, and sit at the table together. Um, I think that that is often overlooked, especially in, in my generation and, and younger. Um, I think planning activities, um, you know, uh, once a month plan, you schedule to go to the park. You know, hey, this Saturday we're going to go to the park and we're going to all hang out. And I think doing uh, scheduling a vacation, even if it's something short and cheap, you know, you go to the, um, I know here in Mississippi, you know, we might go to Birmingham or Memphis for a weekend. Uh, you sure. Go to, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. You just got to be present when you are present and schedule stuff out because we're busy. And you may, it sounds regimented to schedule a date with your wife a month in advance, but that's what you got to do sometimes. So. Yeah, if you, it's what you got to do, you got to do it right. You know, you got to make sure that those relationships stay strong. Uh, well, that's great. Uh, so, so you know, Craig, you know, I mean, you know, most everyone that knows you, right, you know, know that you know you're, you're a pretty driven guy. And and so, is, is there anything about your upbringing that really has influenced your drive to be successful? You know, not only in your career, but you know, from your family life as well. 
Yes. Um, I, I would like to say that I come, uh, I don't come from a family of doctors or engineers or um, money or college degrees. I come from a family of hard workers. Um, and that's pretty much all I, all I need growing up. My, my grandparents and my parents. My father worked a very physically intensive labor job. He actually was injured in the job uh, several times. Uh, I remember him coming home, his, his clothes covered in, in oil and grease. And um, after working 14 hours a day, but he would still, you know, help me with math homework after school. Um, and my mom, technically she was a stay-at-home mother, but uh, a lot of times she would work a lot of different odd jobs to try and make ends meet or try and buy some extra materials for school or whatever event that we were trying to be in. And I was also uh, privy and somewhat involved from an early age in financial conversations uh, with my family. Um, nothing to take away from them whatsoever, but we you know, typically were always living paycheck to paycheck. I remember those discussions. I remember yeah. the, the stress and anxiety surrounding that. Um, and I knew, you know, I got memories from seven and eight years old remembering that I didn't, you know, want to have to, to struggle. First of all, I wanted to be able to help my parents. And second of all, I wanted to be able to um, not have that in the future. Uh, you know, so I started walking at the age of 12 under the table, uh, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> That's great. What did so. you, you do at 12? Uh, I was a bus boy at a fish and steak restaurant, $5 an hour, but I got to eat a steak or a fish plate for free. So for me, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was awesome. Uh, so, Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, and pretty much had, had worked ever since uh, that point. But I think it was just hard work was instilled in me. Um, and like I said, the desire to to not have to work hard, but to choose to work hard. Uh, whereas my, you know, growing up, we kind of had to. I wanted to have the choice to. Sure. Yeah, no, that the options are what we all want in life, right? And you know, I, I think it's you know pr- pretty pretty noble of you for to have taken that lesson, right? You know, from your family of the hard work and man, you know, I, like we said earlier, I've known you for five years and I still think you're the hardest working guy I've ever met. So uh, you know, kudos to you on that one. Um, so, but uh, so so so, Craig, if you would say that um, you know, I, I don't know if you could go back, right? If you could do things differently while you started your career, right? Is there anything that you'd change? Uh, a few things. Um, I think as I, I like to diversify investments. I've been involved in real estate for, for a while. Um, so I think that um, uh, I would have tried to have gotten maybe a, a larger home initially. So maybe I could have rented out some of the, the rooms and something, maybe to some fellow residents or something like that, supplemented my income some potentially. Sure. Um, you know, uh, although I did work out, I still own uh, that property today. I actually appreciate the value a lot, and, uh, and I rent it now. So not that it was a, a bad decision, but I think that, that if I went into purchasing the home with uh, an investment um, in the mind, I think that could have potentially uh, increased it some. Um, kind of think, um, I've never been, probably, I guess, maybe more, I'm, I've always been aware of, my investments and savings and everything, but uh, I never was one to have like a super budget per se. Uh, I never really spent more than I made, but I think that just tracking it uh, a lot closer earlier on, like I said, it never really got out of control for me, but I think it would have been sure. uh, a little bit better if I'd kind of had an exact idea uh, kind of what everything was, where everything was going, you know, so. Sure. So, so, so really what you're saying there is that, you know, in, in residency, right, if we had, you know, maybe not a budget per se, but, you know, we can call it a budget, but, but more or less just had a better understanding of, you know, your cash flow, right? Where's all my money actually going? And, you know, if I could make tweaks and changes, right, you know, I could have had a little bit better outcome. Is that right? 
but at the same time, because we do get, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that I want to recommend anyone um, sacrifice too much during that time either, because we never promise tomorrow. So I, I'm not one that is not in the opinion that we should always save every single dollar and never take our wife out to eat. I think, you know, because we do sacrifice a lot to become physicians. We sacrifice a lot of time. So within reason, I think, no, but that helps you. If you, if you have a budget and you know where it's going, then you probably feel a little bit better about you know, taking a vacation or going on a trip. But I, I just want to make it known that I'm not stressing to any resident or young physician not to enjoy life at all. Uh, just kind of have a plan uh, around that and know what's going on. So uh, I think that's real wise because, I mean, you know, life's all about balance, right? You know, I mean, we, we, we can't we can't live 100 percent to save all our money. Right. Because at the end of the day, like you said, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Right. You know, but on the flip side. Right. We can't, you know, be too, you know, uh, I guess, playing boy with everything. Right. And, and go spend it all. Right. So, you know, I, I think definitely developing a plan around cash flow is is a great idea. Right. And, um, you know, definitely something that, uh, you know, we could probably all do better, Craig. But it is nice, right? You know, if we know where the majority of our money's going, right? I don't have to feel guilty about, I don't know, going to Outback one extra time or something and, you know, going on a date and having a steak or something like that. Yeah, um, I mean, and these subscriptions these days just get out of control if you don't pay attention, man. I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and they're all raising their prices, right? I think they just raised my Hulu price, right? You know, so, you yeah. know, I mean, if you don't pay attention to those things, right, you know, you just you just don't know where it'll go. So I think that's really good. That's uh, That's excellent. Um, and, and so, you know, I, you know, as we kind of transition right here, I, you know, I kind of wanted to ask you, I mean, you know, you know, most physicians right naturally want to help people and, you know, you know, since we're starting the new year, right. You know, people are creating new goals, right. You know, what are some ways that, you know, other physicians can, you know, give back to the communities with the skills that they've already possess or, or, or what are some things that you do along these lines? I think that as this, we should all get involved in our community. Um, you know, we're automatically seen as a leader, whether or not we have that skill set. Most of us probably do, because whether you realize it or not, uh, you're leading the code or you're leading medical discussions. You're, you're, your nurses are obviously, you can't do anything about nurses, but you're, you're leading that team of nurses. So sure. um, in your community, I'm in a small town. So obviously, I mean, uh, being a doctor in a small town is almost kind of like being a rock star or something. But even in a large community, <laughs> People know that's an advanced degree, know the time and effort into that, and will automatically look to you as a leader. So I think that we need to get involved and, and, and try to capitalize that and make a difference. I um, personally, uh, I am the lead medic for um, uh, our sheriff department, and through that uh, venue, um, we've uh, delivered medical supplies every single classroom in the county. Uh, I've personally that's awesome. All the, yeah, I've personally taught all the teachers how to use tourniquets and how to apply first aid. Um, we have done some a lot of disaster prep. I'm involved in, in disaster drills because that's a I have some medical knowledge there, but also you know so I'm kind of leveraging some of the actual knowledge I have. But I'm involved in some some other stuff. Uh, it's not directly related to. We're trying to um, uh, get some community, community funding for some trails and, and stuff right now. Um, uh, like I said, I volunteer a lot with uh, my, my church as well and, and community. But I think just trying to leverage any any particular knowledge that we do have, um, just get involved. Um, and make that, I think that a lot of people, doctors don't realize, you know, because they're so busy, that probably actually is going to help you too. We don't do everything transactional, but if you get out in the community and, and you're seen, um, out there at schools, you're going to have teachers come to your patients. I mean, you're, you're just going to have it. So it's going to actually increase the volume of patients you have, which can actually therefore, uh, you know, increase some financial components as well, which is not why we do that. Most doctors 
do not have the pure goal of, 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 of making money, but it can be, you feel busy, but it can be worthwhile. I mean, you're helping your community and, and they have connections to you. So they're going to come see you when they, when they need something. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's good. And uh, I think I saw a picture of you, uh, what, were you meeting with the state legislator the other day or uh, what? Uh, what uh, yeah, what I'm, was in the, that? Uh, I'm in the um, Mississippi State Medical Association Physician Leadership um, Academy. It's a one-year program. Uh, they select physicians from throughout the state. Uh, I think I'm one of the youngest ones in there at the moment. But anyway, we had the ability to meet with the insurance commissioner, Mac Cheney. Uh, very, very well-spoken, intelligent guy. Really has compassion for the state. We met with... Um, the um, vice chair of the uh, House um, uh, Public Health Committee, and then we met with the previous uh, chair of the Senate Public Health Committee. Um, just 10 of us in a room with them, getting some one-on-one conversation time. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I do a lot of advocacy and uh, public involvement stuff as well. It's very important to me because I think as a, as a physician, you, you may get to affect 10,000 patients throughout your life, but if you can lead to a a law or Medicaid regulations like that being changed, you could affect a million patients, you know? So I think it's important to do that as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's one of the things that I feel like we all have the responsibility in our own profession, right? You know, to make sure that, you know, the things are getting done correctly and, you know, you know, trying to make those changes, you know, where we can. So, so that's pretty excellent. Um, so, so, so Craig, thank you so much again for joining us today. Um, you know, but, but before we leave, you know, is, is there anything else that, that you thought we missed or anything that, uh, you know, you, you'd want to tell our, tell the listeners? Assuming my, uh, my audience is probably young physicians, <laughs> um, or dentists, or just anyone who maybe is going to be in a professional career, uh, and, and potentially kind of looking to get things planned. Uh, I think just kind of the, the high spot says you need to have a plan. Um, you don't have to have it seen in it, but you need to know, you know, okay, this is, um, Number one, these are my goals for my family. You know, this is you know, um, my spirituality, whatever it is you have on, on top there. And then these are my goals for um, my professional career. Uh, and, and these are my finance goals. You have to figure out how those all work together. You know, if your uh, goal is to be, um, you know, Surgeon General of the United States, but you also want to um, spend uh, 20 weeks out of the year traveling, you know, to other countries for with your family, that may not be, that's a bad example. But anyway, basically that may not be, uh, I bet Surgeon General probably travels a lot, but that may not fit in with your personal goals. You've got you've to gotta have a plan for your personal, your professional, and your financial goals. You need to figure out how those work together so that they're working with each other instead of against each other. So. Yeah, I, I think it's some great advice, Craig. And, you know, that's one of the things that, that we preach around here is that, you know, you got you to gotta have a plan. Right. Whatever you're going to do. Right. You got to develop your goals. Right. You got to know how that those goals are going to affect each other. Right. And, you know, I, I know it's cheesy, but, you know, since we are at the end of, uh, the beginning of the year here. Right. You know, I mean, you know, we are about 75 percent more likely to accomplish our goals. Right. If we write them down and we have an accountability partner. Right. And, and so, you know, that's that's a big part is just really getting those goals written down. Um, so, so thank you again for joining us, Craig. Um, and, uh, you know, we hope you all have a great day. Enjoy being here. Thank you, Bob. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to the Longview Living Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and benefited from the information we shared. Your time and attention on a regular basis are a gift. As always, you can head over to longviewplan.com to sign up to receive our newsletter, as well as check out all the resources on our page. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.